plans. There are souls that are in the balance. And we have to make sure that we're contending vigorously for what God wants to do in our churches. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to wrestle in prayer. We're going to wrestle in prayer. Ephesians 6 and 18, Paul says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, I want you to notice this. One translation says, Praying always with all spiritual kinds of prayer. So, all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto, and that watching would be watching in prayer with all perseverance and supplication, notice, for all saints. And then he starts verse 19 and says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I want you to see a a pattern here, and we're going to look at this again in in another chapter. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, And he says, I want you to pray for all saints with all kinds of prayer for all of them. All right? And supplication. So pray all different kinds of prayer and the prayer of petition. And then he says, and here's what I want you to pray for me. That utterance may be given to me that I could boldly open my mouth, notice, and make known the mystery of the gospel. Make known the mystery of the gospel. Well, boldness is not just being hard or being direct. Boldness is having having the understanding and the insight that I can open my mouth and make known the mystery of the gospel. Every time that we come together as a body, there are things that God wants to show us. There are mysteries, if we could say it that way, that God wants wants to reveal to the people. But here's the thing. That utterance of whether those mysteries come forth is greatly affected by the hearer and not just by the hearer in the sense of they're there and they're willing. It's greatly affected by how the hearer has been praying for the speaker. Greatly affected. Because Paul says, I need to be able to open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel and make known the mystery of the gospel. Brother Hagin said this many times. I've heard him say it. He said, no pastor, no evangelist, no prophet, no ministerial gift can move a church body any further than they want to go. You just can't. Because ever what that person wants to say or could say or has to say is going to be affected by the level of prayer that has been lifted up for that person that this kind of thing would happen. That everything, God, that you want to say through my pastor or through the speaker that we're having will be spoken. Every Sunday morning, Father, everything that you want my pastor to say to us today, I pray that he would have utterance. I pray that she would have utterance in the special services, God. These are times that are marked out on your calendar. And this is not just an a annual thing that we do. This is something that we have come together. And this is a holy convocation. This is a set time that we're gathering together to hear from heaven. Words of heaven to be spoken into the earth. And I thank you that the speaker, I thank you that pastor, I thank you that Pastor Caldwell, that they have utterance and insight and comprehension and revelation knowledge to speak into our lives. That that is going to greatly affect what you receive. So he said, pray for all saints with all kinds of prayer and for me that utterance may be given to me. E.M. Bounds, who was a great man of prayer, he made the statement in his book, The Power of a Praying Pastor, And he said, a praying church creates a spiritual atmosphere most favorable to preaching. A praying church creates a spiritual atmosphere most favorable to preaching. I can remember when I was growing up that there would always be prayer time before service. 
And the reason for that was so that people could become spiritually minded before they got in the sanctuary. What happens very often in church is this. People rush home from work. They rush to get dinner together. They rush to put the dogs out. They rush to get the kids fed. They rush to do this. They rush to do that. And then the last thing they rush to do is get to church. And then they show up at church and they, and they show up with five or ten minutes to spare and they kind of just plop down in the, in the seat and they kind of just, oh, I made it. Their minds are not on spiritual things. Their minds are not on receiving anything spiritually. They're just there and boy, we just made it. And my mind's on what went on at work. Boy, I had a rough day at work. Oh man, the traffic was horrible getting over here. And so for the first 15, 20 minutes, they're sitting there with their minds on something else. And by the time they really start listening spiritually to the pastor, in a lot of cases, it's too late. Hallelujah. Because everybody just rushes to church in a carnal mindset, not a sinful mindset, a carnal mindset, not really having prepared themselves to receive. And that's why Paul made the statement concerning certain things. And two things that he said, you'll remember that he said to walk in the Spirit. And then he said what? To pray always. To pray always. Now there are people that will say, well, I can't pray always. But yes, we can. Uh, 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 a man of prayer and his wife, uh, Brother Philip Halverson, and uh, his wife Fern, uh, he worked for the government for a number of years. He was such a man of prayer that at one point, Brother Hagen asked him to be the lead prayer in his ministry. And uh, uh, he didn't do it. He never accepted that position because he didn't feel like that was what the Lord wanted him to do. Uh, but he was such a man of prayer, and he prayed so fervently for Brother Hagen's ministry that Brother Hagen said when he went to heaven that he felt the loss in his ministry. Because he uplifted him so, so much in prayer. Now here's my point in saying this. He was a man that prayed fervently and prayed always. And at his job, he said, I found that I could pray in the Spirit under my breath all day long and do my work and do my job. I can maintain a spiritual atmosphere in my life no matter what I'm doing. And then when I arrive at church, I arrive at the meetings, I am spiritually in position to receive. What's the point of coming to church if I'm not going to receive anything from what's being said? But whether or not I receive is largely dependent upon how I prepare myself to receive. Hallelujah. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer and specifically by the prayers of the hearers. That's how you bring your supply. That's how you bring your supply to the church. I'm praying. I'm laboring. I'm contending vigorously. Lord, I don't know what needs to be said in tonight's service. I don't know who's going to be there. I don't know what needs to be said. I don't know what answers need to come forth. But I contend right now that as my pastor has prepared themselves and prayed and sought your face and stayed in the Word, I contend with them that what they need to say will be said and it will affect the hearer in a positive way. Hallelujah. So when a body is praying that the pastor's given utterance, they charge the atmosphere for revelation to flow. They charge the atmosphere for revelation to flow. And that's why you can't ever come to church and, and, and think you have an understanding of how it's going to be. Well, you know, it's Wednesday night, and, and you know, we don't, we don't get too excited on Wednesday nights. Well, maybe. Some Wednesday nights, but not all Wednesday nights. Or Sunday mornings have to be a certain way, or Sunday nights have to be a certain way. When I begin to contend vigorously, a person who prays for their pastor will always receive from their pastor. A person who prays for their pastor will always receive from their pastor. When Pastor Michelle and I travel with Pastor and Miss Jeannie, especially when we're together, 
One of the things, and, and we do it when we're, when we're separate and, and helping them, but especially when we're together, is that we will receive everything that we need to receive on that trip. Not physically, spiritually. Because that's what we're after. When you've got church, a, a church and you've got leaders that are, are praying, Lord, when I go into my position today, I pray that I will receive the full benefit from what I'm doing. Lord, as I usher, as I greet, as I work in the AV department, as I do my job in the children's ministry, I thank you that I'll receive the full benefit from it in the name of Jesus. Because I want to receive what God has for me. Hallelujah. So a person that prays for their pastor will always receive from their pastor. In these verses, we see the responsibility of the believer in prayer. First of all, pray for each other. He said, pray in the Spirit, notice, for all saints. So that's all the saints in the church universal. That's all the saints in your church. That's all the saints everywhere. And he says, pray in the Spirit. Pray every kind of spiritual prayer for them. So I should be uplifting the person that's sitting beside me in church. Father, I thank you that whoever sits beside me tonight will receive everything that they're supposed to receive. I pray that their physical needs would be met. I pray that their spiritual needs would be met. What I'm doing is I'm stocking the shelf for that person. We'll talk about that as we move forward. I'm stocking the shelf for that person to receive. At some point, every believer in a church has to take personal responsibility for taking hold in prayer for that church. Taking hold in prayer for that church. That's why when we pass out prayers, a lot of people say, well, you know, they passed out the confession sheet. That's not a confession sheet. That's a prayer sheet. It's what you take in. That's your prayer cues. You can start out praying it verbatim, but then you're expecting the Holy Spirit to add to it. And so when we pass out the, 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 the prayer sheet that says God is leading Pastor Michelle and myself to the perfect property for our churches, for the perfect place for our churches, that we have all that we need, and we have all sufficiency in all things, that the wisdom of God leads us as we go. We sleep well. He directs us. He guides us. See, that's that prayer power getting behind what's going on, and God can more readily move in that atmosphere. So number one, pray for each other. Number two, pray for the men and women that God's placed over us. Pray for the men and the women that God has placed over us. Notice in Hebrews 13. Moving into the plan and purpose of God. Moving into the plan and purpose of God. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls, that they, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Notice, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Now, the writer of Hebrews says a, a few things. Number one, he says, submit to them that have the authority over you, or submit to them that guide you. Well, why? Well, they watch over your soul. And then it says, as they that must give an account. Now, I've had people over the years say, yep, yep, you know, every pastor is going to give an account. Right? We are going to give an account. We're going to give an account for what, what we've ministered. But guess what? We're also going to give an account for how you acted. We're going to give an account for how much you got involved. So it's, it's not just giving an account for what we did, it's giving an account for how you responded. And notice Paul says, after that, pray for us. Pray for us. 
So pray for your leaders and for the decisions they have to make. Because notice what he says. They watch for your souls. They watch for your souls. This is important. So the two things we see is submit to those that have authority over you and pray for them. Pray for them. In Colossians chapter 4, you know, in regards to that scripture, probably one of the greatest examples that I have is uh, uh, I was uh, dealing with a, uh, a lady one time that had come to the church and she wanted to get involved in our youth ministry. I was the youth pastor at the time. Uh, the youth minister that uh, uh, we had ministering, had, uh, I had uh, asked him to uh, basically uh, move out of that position. Uh, there were some things going on that he needed to attend to. And uh, uh, I took over the, uh, the youth ministry. And when I did, there was just, of course, it's the gift of the pastor. There was just a vibrancy that came in. And, and people wanted to be involved. And her and her husband came to the church. And she wanted to be involved in youth ministry. And I said, well, you know, come on back, you know, for a couple of weeks and we'll see how it works out. And uh, probably the second Wednesday night that she was there, I knew that she wasn't a fit. And I knew I needed to talk to her. Well, after some consultation with my pastor and looking over these verses, I, I met with her in the office and I said, here's the thing. I took her to this verse and I read it and I said, you know, they watch out for your souls, so submit to them. I said, I'm asking you to trust me when I tell you that what you need to do is sit in the sanctuary and feed on the Word of God instead of trying to get involved in working again so quickly. Well, why? Because in prayer and in meditating over this, because they're my sheep, they have submitted themselves to me. I could see that there were some hurts, some wounds that needed to be healed. And before you can minister to other people, very often you've got to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Now, to her credit, she, re she received that and she did just that. She sat in the sanctuary and according to her, received what she needed. Amen. Now, see, I need to be praying that my pastor will have that wisdom. And then that way, the affairs of the body, we can move into what God wants us to move into. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul is writing here to the church at Colossus, and he mentions this man named Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, notice this, always laboring, the word is striving, fervently for you in prayer that what that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God the Jerusalem Bible says that he never stops battling for you praying that you will never lapse he never stops battling for you this is not the pastor of this church. This is a, a companion of Paul who loves that church. And notice scripture says he never stops battling for you. Praying that you'll never lapse, but always hold perfectly and securely to the will of God. So for a church to move into all the plan and purpose that God has for it, then the believers need to be praying for one another that the total will of God will come to pass in their life, that they will stand fast, that they will be strong, that they'll accomplish all that God wants them to accomplish. But uh, Philip's translation says, he prays constantly and earnestly for you, that you may become mature Christians, and notice, may fulfill God's will for you. So when a church body begins to pray that way, Father, I thank you that the people in our church become mature Christians and they fulfill the will that you have for them in the name of Jesus. 
See, what that does is that puts an end to gossip and strife and backbiting and offense. That, that, that you cannot constantly be critical of someone you're praying for. If you're critical of someone, you're not praying for them. And if you're praying for them, you're not critical of them. You can't pray and criticize at the same time. It's impossible. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't criticize. Well, I don't know what's wrong with so-and-so. You know, they come to church about once a week, and, 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 you know, I just don't think they're growing at all. Well, then here's what needs to happen. Father, I thank you that brother so-and-so is maturing in the things of God and will fulfill the complete will of God for his life in the name of Jesus. Father, I stand here for him and I pray for him. I earnestly contend for him. Father, I wrestle in prayer for him. Lord, whatever may be stopping his growth, I pray that it would be moved out of the way. Lord, if there's something tonight in church that pastor needs to say that will help him, Father, I ask that you would reveal it to his spirit. I ask that you would put it in pastor's heart to say it. Father, whatever it may be, I operate in love and trust and I operate in compassion and I operate in love for my brother and I ask that you would mature him and help him grow up in the things of God. And now, Father, I pray for myself that you'll help me to mature and you'll help me to grow into everything that you want me to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This is so important because then I'm coming alongside my brother in the faith. I'm coming alongside my sister in the faith. And notice what he said about him. He said he prays constantly and earnestly for you that you may become mature Christians. Constantly and earnestly. Constantly and earnestly. You can pray about things like this every day. Every day in your prayer time, constantly and earnestly. Every time somebody comes to your mind, Father, I thank you that the will of God is fulfilled in their life. I remember one time, Pastor Michelle and I were dealing with some very serious issues with one of our, our children. And I had a friend of mine uh, at the church ministry, Pastor Rafael Hernandez. And uh, we were in the office talking before service. And he made a statement that was a word of, of knowledge for me, a word of wisdom, if you will. And uh, it was it, uh, pertained to how to pray for our child and how to answer it and how to pray for them. And the Lord said to me, when you're praying for them or you talk about them, your answer is they are following the will of God for their life. Now, if you hear some people, that they'll say, oh, that, that, that's a good confession. No, that was the prayer starter. Father, I thank you that this child is following the plan of God for their life. What am I doing at that moment? Making tremendous power available for that child to follow the plan of God for their life. I'm stocking the shelves so they can follow the plan of God for their life. When you begin to pray the scripture over someone, we'll talk about this in a moment, you bind the word of God to them. You bind them to the word of God. If that's what God told you to pray about them. Now, every scripture that you find in the Word where it tells you how to pray for other believers, you have a, a, an instruction there about how to pray for your fellow believer. And what you do is you make tremendous power available for them and you bind the Word of God to them. So as they're going about their daily life, they have the, the uh, uh, shelves stocked with wisdom and knowledge where the will of God is concerned to move into because somebody was praying for them. Glory to God. If Aphras was constantly praying that the church at Colossae would be mature and fulfill the plan and the will of God for their lives. Remember what we said in the very beginning? For any church to move into the plan and the purpose of God, it's fueled by prayer. It's fueled by prayer. It's fueled by prayer. It's fueled by prayer. And he was constantly, Scripture says he prays constantly and earnestly for you. He never stops battling for you. To what end? 
that they would fulfill the plan of God for their lives and be mature. So in doing that, he was making spiritual power and ability available to those believers. Prayer, in its basic definition, is communication with God. But it's much more than that. Prayer moves you into this area where you can make a supply available for other people. Hallelujah. There was, there was a lady that, that came to the church for a long time. And when we would pray on Wednesday nights, we had uh, prayer before Wednesday night service there, uh, uh, of course, in DeSoto. And we would be in the sanctuary praying, and sometimes it would just be her and I. Other times it would be others. But there was a marked difference when she wasn't there. Because she was praying specifically for me. And I could feel those prayers. I could sense those prayers. When she wasn't there, there was a marked difference. When I talk to somebody, I can tell you whether or not they pray for me. I just know in the Spirit. Because people that bring a supply, there's something about their spirit that is towards what God wants to do. And there's an instant connection. There are people I don't connect with, and sad to say people I will never connect with because they never pray for me. And when I, when I say that, I don't mean we're not affable and we don't have a relationship. I mean there's never a spiritual connection. That's why there are people that come to churches and you become their pastor. And then there are people that you're just their pastor. Amen. You know, my neighbor came out yesterday. I was mowing the yard. And my neighbor came out yesterday. The, the, the lights went off in the area where we live. The electricity was off. It was off till 1130 last night. And, uh, and he came out. And, you know, he needed to get my attention. And, you know, he didn't go, oh, pastor. He said, uh, Philip, see, I don't have the same supply for my neighbor that I do for you. Because unless they're doing it and I don't know it, my neighbor's probably not praying for me. They don't know it, but I'm praying for them. Why? Because they're in my neighborhood. I want the work of God to go on in that neighborhood. But do you understand what I'm saying? And so there are people that never receive because they never make tremendous power available. Notice in James chapter 5. Hallelujah. Moving into the plan and the purpose of God. James 5 and 16. And the prayer of faith shall, up, excuse me, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Roost Bible says a prayer of a righteous person is able to do much as it operates. The Amplified Bible says makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now, who is this power made available to? The person being prayed for. The person being prayed for. Through our prayers, we can make this power available when I begin to pray about these situations. That's what we call stocking the shelves. Pastor Michelle said that years ago, and, I, and I've never forgot it. When you pray, for instance, for a loved one who's lost or a loved one that needs something from the Lord, obviously I can't make them get saved, but I can stock the shelves. I can stock the shelves with people that they will encounter to hear the Word of God. I can pray that God send laborers into the harvest. Well, what am I doing when I pray that laborers would be sent? I'm stocking the shelves. I'm making the information available. 
I'm stocking the shelves. Uh, Brother J.R. Goodwin and his wife, uh, great ministers uh, many years ago. They're both in heaven today, good friends of Brother Hagin, and uh, uh, very close to him. And they were pastors in uh, Pasadena, Texas. And uh, one night, they, after Sunday night service, they'd gotten off to sleep. And uh, all of a sudden, Brother Goodwin said, I was, I was awakened by my wife just groaning in the spirit. And he said, uh, I asked her, you know, well, well, what's wrong? And she said, I don't know. I just, I have a sense some way or another that some of our people are in trouble, our church people. And he said they had a few people that were on vacation and, and whatnot. And he said, so they just prayed for them. And, and he said, and then, you know, she kind of quieted down and I got off to sleep. And, and he said, but a little while later, I was awakened with the same thing, uh, her groaning in the spirit. And he said, I said, uh, uh, well, you know, what's wrong? And she said, I just can't get away from this. And they had uh, 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 went through this scenario a couple of times. And finally, he said, well, let's just get up and, and pray about it. I mean, we're not getting any sleep anyway. Let's get up and pray about it. And, and they prayed till way up in, in the early hours of the morning. I believe it was somewhere between 3 and 4 in the morning. And finally, Brother Goodwin said, well, let's just do this. He said, because we don't know exactly who it is. He said, let's just do this. That the Lord will speak to whoever it is, however he's got to, and warn them of any danger that may be coming. Well, they agreed to do that, and they prayed that, and when they did, she got some peace, and he got peace, and they went back to bed. Well, the next morning around 10 o'clock, of course, they, they hadn't got really into bed till about 4 o'clock, so, you know, they were still asleep. Uh, a man came and knocked on the door, and when they opened the door, it was uh, uh, one of the members of their church, and if I remember correctly, it was a Sunday school teacher, and he worked on uh, the oil, uh, in the oil field on uh, one of the, the, the derricks there. And uh, he said, I had to come by and tell you something. He said, uh, uh, this morning, and he said around 4 o'clock, I had a dream. And he said, in that dream, he said, I dreamed that I went to work, and the guy that worked the top of the rig didn't show up. And so they asked me to go up, and he said, I went up. And he said, 10 minutes after working on that rig, he said, in that dream, I saw that cable snap, and it cut my head off. And he said, I want you to know today, I went to work, and the very scenario played out. The man that was normally there didn't show up, so they asked me to go up. And he said, I was about halfway up, and I turned around and came down and said, no, I'm not going up. And he said, I told him the dream I had. And he said, uh, another man, saved man, born again man. He said, well, I'm not superstitious, I'll go. And sure enough, he was up there and they were pulling pipe. And about 10 minutes later, that cable broke and cut his head off. Matter of fact, it hit the man they were praying for in the back when it fell off. Now think about this for a moment. There, there's a couple different things that we see here. You know, people will say, well, how come one Christian man to die and another Christian man not to die? Well, one was being led by the Spirit and one wasn't. Secondly, tremendous power had been made available by the good ones praying. Information was made available to that man that he would not have normally known had somebody not been praying for him. So what you see there is when that urge to pray came on her, she stayed with it till they got the answer, till they felt the peace. And what did it do? Save that man's life. Stocking the shelves. He had access. God had an open door of access to get that dream to that man so he could see it because somebody prayed for him. That's what the scripture talks about in the book of John when it talks about the porter and it says that the porter opens to the master so that the sheep can hear his voice, very often there has to be a porter or a watcher that's watching and praying that can open the way for somebody to hear the voice of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I, I mentioned Philip and Fern Halverson. And uh, one night he was praying, and uh, uh, she said that, that he would always wake her up when he was praying because he was so loud. But he was praying, and, and while he was praying, he was praying in the Spirit. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, this name kept coming to him. Daniel, Daniel, stand up right on your feet. Live and not dine. Declare the works of the Lord. Fulfill all that God has for you. And, and, he, and he said that several times. And she said, uh, you know, of course, he didn't know who he was praying for. But a, a, a couple weeks later, they were in a church service. And she said when they passed out the prayer request cards, uh, prayer list, she said we were so shocked to see that young man's name on the prayer list. Well, they didn't know him. And they weren't members of that church. So they went to one of the leaders and said, uh, who is this young man? And he said, well, his mother-in-law is here. And so they went and talked to the mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law said, well, he is a, a missionary uh, to one of the Middle Eastern countries, Lebanon, I believe it was, and uh, uh, runs a children's school over there. And he took sick and died. And in that country at that time, they, they cremated you almost immediately. And they had wrapped him in cloth and twigs and twine. And the procession was starting. They were taking him out of the house. And his wife began to say, Lord, please have mercy on my, son, on my, on my husband and raise him up. Well, at the same time in the United States, Philip Halverson is being led by the Holy Spirit to call out, Daniel, you'll live and not die. Stand upright on your feet and fulfill the plan of God for your life. Well, that man came alive. He came back to life. And the Halversons preached in his church. Now, what did they do? They made tremendous power available. Through what? Praying for somebody they didn't even know. Making tremendous power available. So important. In 1 Timothy 2. In 1 Timothy 2. Now, there, of course, will be times that maybe uh, our prayer experiences are not that dramatic. But I know the Lord woke my mother up at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, you need to pray for your son because the devil's trying to kill him. And she prayed and made tremendous power available for me. It may not always be that dramatic, but it's something that I can always do. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So the first thing that I ask here is, so then whose responsibility is it that we lead a quiet and peaceable life? The kings and those that are in authority? No. Ours. Our responsibility. Why? Because that's what it says. It says, pray for them that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So notice this. We're to pray with all kinds of spiritual prayer for all men, which is our fellow believers, mankind, for kings, which would be include presidents, leaders, and all that are in authority. And what will be the result? The result is that we make the power, wisdom, and ability of God available to our leaders. That, that's binding the Word of God to them. And so when you pray for a leader and you pray that they, that they would be shown the path of reversal for every wrong decision, for every evil decision, and you pray that they would be shown the path of reversal, you are now making the power to reverse that decision available to that leader. They may not have that otherwise. 
Pastor Michelle, in teaching on prayer, she's made the statement that especially when she was first born again, she did not think that her prayers could make that much difference. But of course, as she grew in the things of God, she saw that they could. What I see so very often in churches is this, especially in our churches because we attract a lot of men, is this, men predominantly don't see themselves as prayers. They pray, but they don't see themselves as prayers. Very often men in a church are content to leave that to the women or to our wives or to our moms. Well, for whatever reason, we think they either have more time or, or they have a particular bent to it. It's not what Scripture says. As a matter of fact, the, the, the example that James uses in James chapter 5 was a man. Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain. And Elijah prayed again, and it rained. Now, there are numerous examples of praying women. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the whole body has to see themselves as effective at prayer changing things and so Paul says that when we pray for these people those in authority we that 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 we make that wisdom and knowledge available and we bind the word of God to them in uh, Ephesians 1 Ephesians 1 and uh, verse 17 this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but it's so important because this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. It's, it's one of my favorite places to pray out of. And he says in verse 16, I cease not, which the word I is not there, but he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And notice, here's what I'm praying for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. I'm praying that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, we could say, is. And I'm praying that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power or the might of His power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Hallelujah. And so when I have a habit of praying this this way, first of all, of coming into the presence of God and saying this, Father, I come to you in faith and I receive by faith the authority that you've given me. I receive it by faith and this morning in my prayer time, I exercise that authority. Satan, I address you, I speak to you. And I tell you that I have authority over you. You are a defeated foe in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood over my spirit, my soul, and my body in Jesus' name. I am set apart for the work of God, and I'm set apart for the plan and the purpose of God. Hallelujah. So I'm taking my place of authority. I'm taking my position. And then I'll go to my family. In the name of Jesus, I declare that Michelle Steele... Jessica Cosby, Jean Cosby, Rebecca Cosby, Griffin Wayne Cosby, Harrison Eugene Cosby, Philip, Philip Israel Steele, Laura Steele, Philip James Steele, Angela Steele, Liliana Steele, Natasha. I declare over all of my family members, they are covered by the blood of Jesus. I draw a bloodline around them, and Satan, I tell you that you have nothing in them in the name of Jesus. You are a defeated foe where they're concerned. And Father, I declare any mind-blinding tactics against my family null and void in Jesus' name. I will not allow it. I take authority over it. You will not have any say in their life. 
in Jesus' name. And then I'll pray for my nation and my city and my state and anything else that God brings to my mind. Amen. But notice something here. This, when we begin to pray this over ourselves, when I pray this over myself, I'm opening the door for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm opening the doors for my eyes to be enlightened. I'm opening the doors to see things that I have not seen before. When I pray it over our families, over our churches, we're opening the door for the operation of these things in the lives of those people that we're praying for. We're stocking the shelves. But it's something that has to be done consistently. It's something that has to be done on a regular basis. Remember Epaphras. He's constantly battling for you. He's always working for you and contending for you in prayer. Hallelujah. And so this is not just a confession list. This is something that you take the Word of God and you pray it. In Ephesians 3 and uh, verse 14, this is another prayer. Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you are rooted and grounded in love, that you're able to comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The Living Bible says a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. And so when you begin to pray this over yourself, I thank you, Father, that you have granted me the riches of your glory. I'm strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. Christ dwells in my heart by faith. I'm rooted and grounded in love. I am able to comprehend with all the saints in the church what is the breadth, length, and depth, and height. And I know the love of God that passes all understanding. And I am a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. And then you're praying that for yourself, you're praying that for your family, you're praying that over your church, the, the, the members of the church that you attend. Hallelujah. Now what are you doing there? You're making tremendous power available. You're making tremendous power available. Thank you, Lord. But I have to do this consistently. Notice Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Glory to God. Luke 22 and 31. This is at the Last Supper, and Jesus says something. And I think sometimes maybe this has been overlooked. Because very often when this scripture's ministered on, well, let's read it and then we'll minister on it. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Notice this. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Hallelujah. So notice, Jesus says, you know, Simon, of course, after that, said, I'll go to death with you. And Jesus talked to him about the rooster crowing. But notice, Jesus had inside information. And in the Greek, it means Satan has petitioned the right to devour you. Now notice this. What did Jesus say? But I'm going to stop the attack. You're not going to feel any pressure. Don't worry about it, I'll handle it. No, it's not what he said. He said, I've prayed for you. What have I prayed for you about, Simon? That your faith doesn't fail. So right there, the shelves were stocked for Peter's faith not to fail. Now, he still had a choice. He still had a choice. But Jesus said, I've prayed that your faith doesn't fail. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. So, so we, see, we see Jesus stocking the shelves. 
we see faith in operation because faith looks beyond. There's going to be a challenge, but you're going to come out of it. Hallelujah. But he stocked the shelves. This is what the devil wants to do, but here's what I've prayed. And so you have access to this. Hallelujah. So he didn't stop the attack, but what did he do? He provided the resources necessary for Peter to overcome through prayer. So prayer is not just a religious exercise. I've had people say, well, I don't know what else to do but pray. Well, that's kind of like the guy, you know, they, 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 he, he, he came and uh, 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 the boat's sinking. And he comes to the other guy and he says, uh, well, I think we better pray. Another one said, has it come to that? So very often, unfortunately, in believers' lives, prayer is a last resort. Instead of a lifestyle of stocking the shelves and praying and making tremendous power available, they pray when there's a problem, when there's a need. I'll, I'll have people that I won't, I won't hear them talk about anything spiritual for months, sometimes years at a time. But when a problem comes along, my phone will ring, Pastor, we need you to pray. Well, I gladly pray. But I'm convinced that a lot of the things I watch in people's lives, I watch people that I have great respect for, and a lot of things that constantly occur in other people's lives don't occur in their lives because they're constantly stocking the shelves. Hallelujah. Moving into the plan of God. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And Jesus, it says, he said, Jesus is the he. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say, though he, is, he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, we'll talk about that word in a moment, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say to you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. So Jesus says, let me, he says, let me tell you a story. Let me, let me explain this to you. He said, which of you that has a friend, and that friend comes to you at midnight, you're in bed, your family's in bed, and they knock on the door, and they say, hey, I've had somebody come, uh, let me borrow some bread from you. And he said, from within, the guy goes, look, I'm already in bed. My family's in bed. Notice what it says. It says, he won't get out of bed because he's his friend. He will get out of bed, Jesus used the word, because of his importunity. Or the King James used the word importunity. Importunity. The Amplified Bible says, because of his shameless Persistence and insistence. That's what importunity means. It, it's, it, it, it carries the idea of the word impudent. All right? In the Hebrew, that word is used in Proverbs chapter 7 regarding the wicked woman, the harlot. It says she has an impudent face. Well, we, we say harlot. She's the married woman. That's out to commit adultery with this young man. She has an impudent face. Words that follow that are like brazen, brass, brassy. I don't know if you've ever used that term. Boy, that guy's got brass. What does that mean? He's shameless. Proverbs 7 uses it in the instance of this woman is married, all right, and she is shamelessly 
brazenly, impudently flirting with this young man and taking him back to her house. She is shameless. Importunity is this shameless persistence and insistence. You are going to get out of bed and give me those loads. That's what Charles Finney said. He said, I would find myself at times in shocking seasons of prayer where I would say to the Father, you do not think I'm going to be denied, do you? This is important. Because what's going to move a church into the plan and the purpose of God is persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. And this man, Jesus said, just because he's his friend, he's not going to get out of bed. But because he's going to keep knocking shamelessly, insistently. This is not a tap. This is, I have guests and I need help. Father, I have a friend that's not growing in the things of God the way that he should grow. I demand that he grow in the name of Jesus. Wake him up in the middle of the night if you have to. Bring whoever you have to into his sights. Let them share the word of God with him. Father, my family's not going to hell. My children's not going to hell. You stock the shelves in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let them be blinded by the enemy. I have authority over the devil. You said I have authority over the devil. And I cause the enemy to cease in his activities against my family in the name of Jesus. And you be persistent with that. You be insistent with that. We are at a point where we can no longer just say, well, great is the peace of my children and all my children are safe because the Word says it. There it is. I believe I receive it. Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. I got it. I have to, even though I make a positive confession, which I should do, I still have to stock the shelves. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that this is the pledge of the king where my children are concerned. I will contend with them that contend with you and I will save your children. That is a beautiful promise and I quote it all the time. But something else the Lord told me to add to that. There's a scripture from the book of Hosea and it says you will hedge up their way with thorns so they can't go back where they came from. I've got to stock the shelves with that. Father, my children, my loved one, my friend, my brother, my sister, they will not be like the dog in Proverbs. They will not return to their own vomit. They'll go away from sin in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that sin's repulsive to them. I thank you that that, 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 that alcohol, that drugs, whatever the problem may be, it's repulsive to them in the name of Jesus. They don't want it. They don't desire it. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. No, you can't change their desire, but you stock the shelves with what they need to desire. Hallelujah. When my wife and I go grocery shopping, we buy what we like. And we stock the shelves with not, well, I say we buy what we like, but we also buy what we need. And we stock the shelves with what we like and what we need. And when I want potatoes, there's potatoes on the shelf. Hallelujah. This is this insistence. So Jesus says that's how we're supposed to act, to ask, to seek. And not, how? With shameless persistence. Yeah, but you know, once I pray about something, I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to pray about it again. That's the prayer of faith. When you commit something to God, you don't carry the care of it anymore. That doesn't mean you don't pray about it again. Once I ask for something, if I ask, Lord, I thank you for healing my body, I never go back and ask him to heal me again. I rest on the fact that it's a finished work, and I thank him and praise him for it. 
but I continue to ask him for wisdom and, and knowledge. Lord, what do I need to do? What's my part? Whatever the case may be. Are my children saved? Yes, I believe by the word, according to the word of God, they're born again. I have received their salvation. Now, Lord, I stock the shelves. Send people into their pathway that will share the word of God with them. I loose the ministering spirits to set events in motion whereby my children will hear the gospel and turn their lives to Christ. And you're shameless and persistent about that. And I'll finish with this. Because this, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. It is in the continuing sense. Meaning that it's something that I continually do. Some translations say keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. That's how you move into the plan and the purpose of God. That's how you move into what God wants a ministry to do. And to be effective in. Hallelujah. We will see the results of what we're praying for, listen to me, when we learn to be shamelessly persistent. Everyone say it out loud. Shamelessly persistent. Oh, say it again. Shamelessly persistent. One more time. Shamelessly persistent. I'll share this with you in closing. My father was in a, a meeting one time in the northern part of the United States, and uh, he was there, and, and of course, uh, especially in the early days of his ministry, all throughout his ministry, but especially the early days, uh, his ministry was accompanied with signs and wonders and miracles. And in that meeting, there was a young man there whose name was Johnny, and he uh, shook violently. I don't know what was wrong. Uh, some kind of neurological defect. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain of the name, but that, that's what the symptoms were, what the result was. And the meeting began on a Sunday night. And, of course, he prayed for those that needed prayer in the meeting for physical healing. And he laid hands on this young man, and, and they both began to shout that he had received. The young man didn't quit shaking. Uh, but my father told him, you know, every time you think about it, you just thank God for it. And uh, so he did. So the next night, they had testimonies. Who got healed last night? Well, this young man stood up shaking just as violently as ever. And he says, I thank God I received my healing last night. Everybody shouted. Well, Tuesday night, he did the same thing. Everybody shouted. Wednesday night, he did the same thing. Almost everybody shouted. Thursday night, he did the same thing. About a quarter shouted. Friday night, he did the same thing. Nobody shouted. Saturday morning, he came down the, the steps to the breakfast table, and his mother had breakfast out, cereal and milk and, and different things. And she said, here, Johnny, she said, let me pour your cereal. He said, mother, a healed man doesn't need help. And, of course, he just, the cereal went, some in the bowl and a lot of other places. And then he reached for the sugar and the same thing. And then he reached for the milk. And his mother said, all right, I've had it. She said, I love you, but, Johnny, you are not healed. She said, you and that minister, you are, you are just, you're making a fool of yourself. And he looked at his mother with that hand shaking violently. And he said, Mother, I'll have you know I am too healed. And he never shook from that day forward. Now, was that the confession of faith? Was that holding fast to his confession of faith? Yes. What else was it? Shameless persistence. I don't care what people think. I don't, I don't care what people think that I'm still shaking. I have received my healing. Now think about this. When did his faith take hold? The moment he believed he received it. It took a week for it to manifest. What if he'd have gave up Monday? What if he would have been, not, not have been shamelessly persistent in the face of less and less people shouting with him? Well, he would have never received. 
the manifestation. He received it when hands were laid on him. Now I'll close with this. Very often, what God wants to move you into is lost or greatly hindered because of a lack of shameless persistence. I'm just going to tell you, I don't care how long I've got to pray about something, and I don't care how long I've got to pray about it and how long I have to keep up the prayer effort. I'm going to pray till it changes. And we shall see, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And there shall come a moving, and there shall come a shaking, and there shall come a separation. And many things that have positioned themselves, many events that have positioned themselves to try to stop what I want to do in these United States. The cracks are already forming in the foundation. The cracks are already forming in the wall. No, you may not can see it as clearly as you're going to see it, but I, the Lord God, say to you, because of the shameless persistence in prayer with my, where my people are concerned, the undergirding of this deception and the undergirding of this lack of truth has been shattered. The foundation is destroyed. And what, says the Lord, what, says the Lord, the next thing that happens is the doors will, be, the doors will begin to fall apart. The walls will begin to fall apart. The whole building will begin to sag. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And when you pray, says the Lord, pray for the southern part of the nation. For the southern part of the nation is the battleground in this election. The southern part of the nation is the battleground. Much, much damage the enemy would try to do there. But if my church and if my people will take their responsibility serious and target that region of the United States and be shamelessly persistent, oh, yeah, there'll be a great victory. There'll be a great victory. And it will even astound some experts, and it will even astound some that say that it's not possible for the right. And when I say the right, the Lord says, I mean the right way, not the right wing, not the right side in government, but the right direction, the right thought process. There's no way that that can prevail in that state or in those states. Oh, yes, it will. Oh, yes, it will. Have more faith in your ability to touch me and to access my power through your prayers than you do in whether a state is red or blue, says the Lord. And you'll see it. You'll see it. It'll occur. It'll occur. You'll see it. It'll occur. You'll see it. It'll occur. You'll see it. You'll see it. You'll see it. It's going to occur in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for what you're saying to us. We thank you for what you're ministering to us. And, Lord, we hook our wagon up to yours, so to speak. And we say we're going to move into all the plan and the purpose that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. We'll stand up, everybody.